Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Um, the other day, I was sitting at home, not freezing, in my house, when I googled something very interesting. I googled what was the most watched doctor shows in TV history. Okay, what was that? Now, uh, it came back and it gave me the top ten, and of course, you can imagine what was number one. It was the most watches ER. You guys ever remember ER? Um, and it ran from 1994 all the way to 2009. And, um, but that wasn't the one I was thinking about. The one I was thinking about was a, a show called House. Do you remember House? And it was a doctor show. I really didn't get into it, but many critics think that House, a opposed to ER, was the best medical show ever. And it would be hard to deny. You see, the original pitch was simple. A Sherlock Holmes as a doctor who solves mysterious cases every week. That would be great. Now, I was joking that Dr. Gregory House needs to find a cure for COVID-19. Wouldn't you agree? Right? Not, not a vaccine, a cure. Like he needs to just, whatever he does. Um, and if you ever saw the show, you would realize that that's, he did what others couldn't do. Well, of course, I'm not here to talk to you tonight about TV shows. I want to talk to you tonight about a church, though, that was sick. The spiritual temper the spiritual temperature of this church, guys, it's off. You see, the church wasn't hot. The church wasn't on fire. Nor were they super cold. Kind of like Texas this past week, right? One minute we were super cold. The next minute we were... Pre- well, we weren't super hot. It, it was warm, okay? It was, it was decent. Everybody's like, oh, we thought out. But not this church, guys. Not this church. This church was lukewarm, Lukewarm, and it was lukewarm just enough to be spewed from the Lord's mouth. And of course, I'm studying this, right? And I'm looking at the church of Laodicea, and it reminded me of my high school days playing basketball. Why? Because I remember we were in the gym, and the gym was hot, and they would make us run lines, and we had to do, and we're, and we're running, and then it's okay, water break, and every, every kid in the team would run to the fountain, but the water fountain was lukewarm. It was awful. I mean, that didn't, it's like, ugh, and you're hoping just to get a little, so much so that somebody donated grapefruit juice. Now, how many of you like grapefruit juice? Any of you like grapefruit? Two people like grapefruit juice. The rest of us are like, mm-mm. Now, oh, it's got to have sugar, got to have sugar. But, but the problem was this grapefruit juice was super cold, Haas. It was super cold. And so when you're sweating and hot and you can't breathe and you feel like you're going to die, boom, I would drink that grapefruit. I got so all summer long that I was actually would crave grapefruit juice. Now, that's gone away a long, long time ago, okay? So, but, but the, 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 for some reason, the, the water fountains in the gym was, was lukewarm. It was, you just didn't know. No. And I think about this from time to time. Maybe this happens to you. Maybe it doesn't happen. But have you ever poured yourself a nice hot cup of coffee? 
and then got busy and then came back and it's like lukewarm. You're like, right? Or tea. You have to like either microwave or, or, you know, you just, it's that, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Guys, he's saying, listen, in his letter, he compares this church. Guys, he compares the city of Laodicea to a lukewarm drink. And he actually says to them, the Lord says, guys, you make me sick. You make me sick. Now, Jesus, if you're taking note, always, guys, often uh, referred to himself in the Gospels as the great physician. Okay? Now, but what we have is you have a great physician. You have somebody better than Dr. Gregory House. But he's realizing that, guys, we have a very sick church. Oh, my mind, Mike, wants to go back to Philadelphia, right? That was a great church. The Lord's like, guys, keep going. But somehow we stopped being Philadelphia, and now we're in Laodicea. And God's like, listen, listen, this is making me sick. Now, Think about it, guys. It's always a mistake to try to diagnose or deny a medical problem, right? When the internet came up, we all became doctors. Let me see what I have, right? We all went to WebMD and said, this is what I have, right? Here's my, well, listen, why is my hair turning white? I must have something. No, it's called old age. That's what's happening, okay? That's what's going on. But, but we have, we've all done that. But we don't want to diagnose ourselves. We don't want to go, well, this is what I have, okay? The church, guys, at Laodicea had a spiritual need, and they didn't want to admit it. They didn't want to admit it. Now, Santos, I'm looking at you, because there's some of us, yeah, yeah, there's some of us who often, we don't want to admit when we're sick. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are we, oh, no, what's wrong? We, we, we just, that's how we are. We're prideful. We just like, mm-mm. I'm not going to go to the doctor until you, all right, and you have to go and they tell you, yeah, you're sick. Okay, okay, I'm sick. That's the church of Laodicea. That's the church. They didn't want to admit it. See, the church thought it was better off than it really was. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So as we look tonight, guys, at this letter, There are three things we want to consider. Taking note, jot this down. We're going to see the description of the physician. Very important. Okay? Because listen, if I'm going to go to a doctor, I want to know who my doctor is. I want to know all about him. I want to know how he treats people. Okay? The description of the physician is key. Everybody got that? And then the diagnosis of the patient. That's number two. Let's diagnose the patient. And then I want to see the declaration of the prescription. This is how we do life today. Okay, we go in, we want to see the doctor. I want to know all about the doctor. Have you done this before? What kind of doctor are you? Right, Hoss, you're familiar with doctors. You know, and you sit there and you just go, listen, could I get a diagnosis at least? At least. Jesus is going to do that. Okay, so we're going to pick it up in verse 14 as we make our way. If you're taking note, let's see, let's just see who our doctor is. Okay, God, Jesus is the great physician. Let's see who our doctor is. Those of you watching online, let's go. Get some notes. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 14. Okay, this is our final church. The Lord is writing, it says, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? Okay. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, 
the beginning of the creation of God. This is super important. This is super important, okay? Because here's the church of Laodicea going, we've got a letter from God. We've got, and they open it up and he's like, okay, here's, here's what God is writing. He says, listen, I'm writing to you. Who, who is, who's writing to me? He says, the amen, the faithful and true witness and the beginning of the creation. So now we got to do some work. You ready? We got to do some work. Why? Because now we got to figure out who our doctor is. Okay. Number one, he says he is the amen. Can I get an amen? Okay. The word amen is used 77 times in the Bible, mostly in the New Testament, and it's translation of a Hebrew word signifying that something is valid and truthful. So when you say amen, you're going valid and true. God's word is true. But here, the word amen is used as a proper name Jesus is called the Amen. Jesus is called the Amen. Now, listen, listen. If we were to go into the Old Testament, the Old Testament used, it was used when the Lord would actually declare a blessing or judgment to the people. Okay? Through one of the prophets, they would answer, Amen. But let me, let me just break this down a little bit, okay? Because in, in recent months, we had a faux pas with somebody saying, Amen, and a woman. Let me, let me clear it up, okay? That is the silliest thing, because the word is actually Amen, A-M-E-E-N, in the Hebrew. And it means, so be it, or let it be so. That's what it means. It has nothing to do with a man or a woman. It's God himself. Amen. In the New Testament, Jesus often used this in the beginning of his sentences. He said, so verily, verily, I say unto you, or amen and amen. You go, Ben, what does that mean? His implication of this, what Jesus is declaring He's saying, what am I about to say to you is the absolute truth and extremely important. That's what it means. This is his name. Jesus is called the amen because when he speaks, it is absolute truth. Why? Because he is truth. He is truth. This is underscored by the fact that Jesus will often refer to himself as the faithful and true witness. These things say the amen, the faithful and true witnesses. Now, Jesus, in Jesus, you and I can be assured that we're not going to hear, listen to me, what we want to hear. He's going to tell us what we need to hear. That's important, is it not? We need to hear what God's saying, specifically in these last days. Guys, we need to hear what the Lord is saying in our hearts. The world, if you will, is crumbling right before our eyes. The Lord Jesus stands on his throne and he's going to gather his saints. I want to know the truth. 
I don't want to be pandered. Oh, you're doing good, young man. Good little boy. I need to know where I'm falling and where I need to repent and where this is the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen? We need to know the truth. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Have you ever gone out to eat with someone? Okay, you're sitting across the table and they have some, they've sort of missed their mouth and they have something, a big piece of something on their chin or, or somewhere down here. And you just watch them. We don't do that, do we? We say, you know, oh, here, here, sweetie, here's the napkin. Oh, did I, do I have something there? Right? We, we want to tell them the truth. Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine eating spinach three days ago and you had something stuck in your teeth and nobody tells you? No, we want somebody to tell us. We want some. That's, that's what he said. Guys, listen. Listen. Jesus is faithful to tell us the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Guys, listen. When it comes from Jesus, it's not going to be diluted. Okay? You're not going to get a watered down. You're not. I was listening to a preacher today that said, listen, if you want to fill stadiums, don't teach the Bible. That, that's literally what he said. He said, if you, want to, if you want to fill stadiums, don't preach the Bible. Water it down. Water down the gospel. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about repentance. Don't talk about any of that. I was like, wow. You see, from Jesus, the message is not going to be distorted or falsified in any way. Let me tell you this, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little, little jab in there, okay, Haas? I'm going to throw a little jab. When Jesus speaks, we don't need any fact checkers. Hello? Because it's the truth, okay? It is the absolute 100% truth. How many of us in this room go, I cannot believe what the news anymore. I don't know what's, what's, what's real. I don't know what's real. You're getting bombarded by all the news and you're like, okay? And so I sit there and I just want to pull out my hair and go, I don't know what's real, but I know the word of God is real. And I know what he's saying. Let me say this. If you get nothing out of this message at all tonight, get this. Things are not falling apart. They're falling in place. Okay? So when you see the world just, just, just crumbling, God is already moving. And he wants us, listen, church, he wants us to be the bride, to go out and win our friends to him, to go out and be the light, to shine brighter than ever before. As the world gets darker, this is our calling. We need to shine the light much brighter. And as we shine the light much brighter, the more vicious the attacks are going to be on us, Rosa. Because the enemy wants to trip us. The enemy wants us to stumble. He wants us to fall. He doesn't want us to be here tonight. He doesn't want... No. So we know that it's true. And this, may I add, would be exactly what we expect from going to the doctor. The truth. Okay? Right? If you have a terrible disease... We don't want him to say that you're not very sick. Can you imagine coming in? Well, I don't know. <laughs> right? Or, or what about this? What if you needed an operation? Right? Or some medicine? We don't want him to say, well, I know you need an operation, but it's just a cold. You'll be fine. 
We don't want that from the doctor, do we? We want the truth. Well, by revealing himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness, here's what he's saying. Jesus is declaring that his diagnosis of this church is totally reliable. Totally reliable. But he also says something very interesting that I think you're going to find interesting. You go, what does he say? He uses the name, the term, the title, the beginning of, of the creation of God. Now, most people would just kind of flow over that. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know what that means, Mal. No, 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 no. Let's, let's break it down. Because this is a phrase that had bothered some and caused confusion in the minds who have read it. They kind of go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. See, Jesus just said he's a part of God's creation. As a matter of fact, the Jehovah Witnesses, for instance, they claim that God created Jesus and that Jesus in turn created everything. Now, however, it is not a proper understanding of this verse and what it's declaring. You got it? The word beginning in the Greek is a word, it's it's called R-K, A-R slash K-A-Y, R-K. You go, okay, that's the Greek word. And it's a word that means source of or chief. He is the one who is over all creation. He is the one. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verse 1, you guys know this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, what was that, church? Nothing was made that was made. This is the Lord. He, he's, he's there. Okay. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Do you guys see that? Listen, saints, listen. What Jesus is implying here in his description of the physician, ready, is that he is the one who knows everything about you. He knows everything. He has an accurate understanding of your condition. And he is the source of God's creation. And he's the only one that can do something about it. That's why we pray for healing. That's why we pray for healing. We know that God is God. And he knows, listen, guys, this is the owner's manual to all of everything that we need in life. Everything. This is the owner's manual. And we go, oh, oh. Now, when it comes to doctor's mail, that's the doctor that you want. You want someone who knows the inside and out. Now, now think about it, right? When we go to doctors, Rosa, we go to doctors and we're hoping they have the best education. They've learned some things. They've been around a while. That they've seen maybe what I've had and how to fix it. Jesus knows already all things about us. All things. I want you to think about this. How would you like to go into surgery? 
for a very delicate and dangerous operation. And have the doctor come up and say, well, I've never done this operation before in my life, but hey, I'm a nice guy. I'll give it my best try. Right? What would you do? You're like, uh, no thanks. I want a second opinion. I want a second physician. I want the best doctor I can possibly get to do my surgery. One who is very capable. We've had surgery before in our family, and I wanted to make sure you have done this before. We want the very best. We want the very best. My Jesus is the great physician who's most capable in dealing with our spiritual condition. In fact, he's not just a great physician. He's a specialist. And he's the only one with the answer and the ability. So, hey, my question to you is that why do we run from God then? When we're sick spiritually, when we're a mess, why do we run from God? He's the one who knows. Jesus, right here, guys, he is essentially telling them that he is completely knowledgeable about their condition. And to demonstrate this, he reveals his knowledge about their condition of their city and church by playing on words throughout the entire letter. Okay? Very, very important. So now you have the physician. He is the, uh, he is the amen. He is the faithful and true witness. He is the be- This is God. He knows everything about us. Okay? So we, we, we like the doctor. Yes? We like the doctor. Now, what's wrong with us? Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is when we go to the doctor, for some reason, we don't feel like we need to talk, tell the doctor the whole truth. You know? We, we're like, how does it, does this hurt? No! You know, or, or whatever. We, we're just, right? We, we just sort of fudge and maybe not tell them the whole truth. We got to go to the doctor. We need to tell them everything. We need to tell them everything. Listen, guys, when we go to the Lord and we struggle and we're, and we doubt and we, and we get discouraged, God knows already. But it's so much better when I go to Him and say, Lord, um, I'm struggling. Guys, guys, do you remember in the Bible, okay? Here's the scene. Jesus resurrected, right? He, 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 he resurrected from the dead and he told his disciples, he said, meet me at the Sea of Galilee, right? And so he, he reveals himself to his disciples. You know what the next verse says in Luke? It says, and some doubted. You walked with Jesus for three years. He dies. You see him on the cross. Oh! Three days later, he's just like, hey, fellas, and some doubted? Always, that always trips me out. Some doubt it, but he knows our hearts. Aren't you glad we serve a God that knows us deep, deep within our heart and still loves us? When we're discouraged, when we're, when we're, when we're bummed, when we're hurting, when we're angry. Man. I love that God still loves me. He knows me. Listen, there is nobody in this planet that knows me better than my wife. There's nobody that knows me. By the way I look, she can tell what's going on. But Jesus knows me all the more and still loves me. Man, I can sleep tonight knowing that, Mel. I can sleep tonight. Listen, those of you watching, think about it. You can... Wow. 
Can you imagine? Amanda, can you imagine going to heaven? And the Lord's like, hey, who's here? It's Amanda Vasquez. Hey, Amanda, how are you? And then you start revealing all of your stuff. He's like, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you. What are you doing here? That's not God, is he? God says, no, I know all about Amanda. I know inside. I know how the way she thinks. I know her heart. I know when she's been hurt. I know how she's broken. I love her, and I want her in my family. Amen? That's all of us. Because we're all broken. We're broken. We need help. We need Jesus. Well, how are we broken? Well, check it out. He's going to give us the diagnosis. You ready? Verse 15. He says, I know your works. Oh, Lord, really? You, 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 you spot us down here, huh? Do you see Mel on the guitar? Pretty good. Bell's pretty good, Lord. I know your works. He says, but you're neither what? Cold or hot. And I could wish you were cold or hot. So, so because, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Pretty intense word, words from the Lord. Okay? Okay, now I need to give you some background because if you got this letter and you went, what? Okay? The city of Laodicea has some amazing insight into the diagnosis that Jesus gives in the terminology that he uses. How so? Okay, Laodicea, guys, was located about 100 miles directly east of Ephesus. It was part, now you got to get this down, it was part of a tri-city, if you will. It's a, it's a tri-city um, area, okay? You had three cities that were connected. You go, who were they? So you have Laodicea, you have Heropolis, okay? And then you have Colossae, okay? Where we get the book of Colossians. You have these. Now, it was located, guys, on the main um, east-to-west trade route. The highways was linked to the major, so lots of people passed by. But here's what you need to know. Laodicea, guys, was a great commercial banking city. It boasted about its wealth. Do you understand? Um, it was, wow, wow, look at that house. Whoa, Okay, I mean, it was wealthy. I mean, this was, this was also a famous throughout the, the, the Roman provinces of Asia, right? It was wealthy, right? Heavy commercial activity, a textile and clothing. You guys understand, this was the place. Laodicea was rich. It was wealthy. It was independent. In fact, check this out. In 61 A.D., Okay, there was this huge earthquake that devastated the city. But guess what? Rome goes, hey, hey, we, we need to come help. You know what Laodicea said? No, thank you. We I. They were so rich, they declined help from Rome. They're like, no, we're okay. We got enough money. Everybody's going to pitch in. We're going, we'll get back. We'll build, we'll build back. Laodicea, wealthy, amazing. But listen, check this out. It also boasted of a, the school of, um, um, gosh, I had it in my head, and now it's right here. And if I say it, let, let me see. Ophthalmology, that's what it is. Ophthalmology, okay? What does that mean? I mean, here it was. They boasted of a clay 
This is Laodicea. They boasted of a clay that could cure eye problems. So they had this great school of ophthalmology. They were like, man, we've got the best. So if you couldn't see very well, if you weren't looking too good, you would go to Laodicea, right? Because they'd, they'd had this great, whoa, this is cool. This is cool. So you have a very wealthy city. You have this great, I mean, amazing school of ophthalmology. Many beautiful homes. I want you to picture, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe Beverly Hills maybe, you know? I mean, nice, nice Beverly Hills there, man. And so, so we'll call it the Laodicean Hills. There it is. And there were some expensive, actually some Christians actually owned some of these homes. Right? You pulled up, hey, uh, I'm here to see uh, Mike Shaw. Yeah. That's Laodicea. He's living in Laodicean Hills, right? That's, that's Mike. That's, that's the way to go. It also was the center of wealth and commerce and medicine. Laodicea, could say, was a first century Bank of America, a Nordstrom's or Scripps clinic rolled into one. This is the place you wanted to go. This is the place you wanted to. Listen, if you had big dreams, man, I'm moving to Laodicea because I'm moving on up, right? We're, we're, we're growing. We're out of here. We're moving on up. The George Jefferson, that's where they would go. But anyways, but Laodicea had a problem. What was the problem, Mel? The problem is that they had poor water supply. You go, what do you mean? Well, they often tried to use the water supply from the nearby cities. So guess what they did? They built aqueducts from Colossae all the way to Laodicea, from Heropolis all the way to Laodicea. Say, man, we, we have horrible water. So, so listen, you, you want to go to Laodicea? Don't drink the water. Okay? So they said, hey, we, we gotta, we gotta pump this in. We gotta, we gotta figure this out. You guys with me? You guys know? Right? It's, it's connect, you're connecting the dots. So they had these great aqueducts that brought water in. If you go to Israel today, you can actually see one of Herod's aqueducts come all the way through. I mean, it's, you're just like, wow, that's trippy. Um, but, okay, back to our, back to our text. One was Colossae. Guess what? In Colossae, for some reason, it would bring, it had ice-cold water. So Colossae boasted of ice-cold water. Now, Heropolis, guess what? It was known for hot springs. And so whenever it, it put water, it, it'd have hot water. I mean, you're talking about a tri-city faucet here. Okay? The problem, what's the problem, Haas? By the time it got from Colossae to Laodicea, it wasn't cold anymore. It was lukewarm. By the time it got from Heropolis to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. It had cooled down. It had lukewarm. You guys with me? This is the city. This is the city. And just like the church of Laodicea, it had become lukewarm spiritually. So the Lord, think about this, the Lord writes a letter and everyone in Laodicea would, would understand exactly. It's like the Lord writing to Lubbock and saying, to the church of Lubbock, you know, and he, and he uses a cotton farming, you know, because that's really all around us, medical, because we have hospital. I mean, that's how we would, we would connect the dots really easy. And so that's what he does. And the Lord used Laodicean as an analogy. Now, he makes a startling statement, so startling that it blows our mind. Why? Look at verse 16. He says, so then, 
because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. The King James Version says spew, and this is a nice way to say vomit. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that this church has, that their condition makes him want to puke. It makes him sick. That's the church. What I find interesting is, is the Lord looks at the apostasy of Thyatira, and he becomes angry. Oh, he says, I'm going to come against her. But when he looks at the church of Laodicea, guys, he gets sick. He gets sick. He becomes ill. When it comes to spiritual temperatures, there's three, spiritually speaking, are there not? There's hot, there's cold, and there's lukewarm, okay? So let's break them down. Hot, the word means boiling hot, okay? It's zesty, okay? It's kind of like Luke 24, 32, where it says, where it describes burning hearts, right? It says, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked to us on the road. This is the road to Emmaus when he opened up the scripture. This is the first place we learn about heartburn, right here. He said, didn't our hearts, but it was, it was, wow! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Guys, where have all the good times gone? Because I want my heart to burn in the word of God. I want to walk with Jesus and have that go, yes, wow! Wow. But then there's cold. Linda, there's cold. The cold means frozen, icy. This condition is a person who is dead to the things of the Spirit. They have no clue. They're cold-blooded. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, Because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. Cold. Okay? So, so they're cold. And then you have lukewarm. And this is the worst condition of them all. Why? Because you, if you're taking note, it's complacent. It's half-hearted, unable to recognize the depth of spiritual need. This is a lukewarm person. What is? You ready? It's, it's a person that straddles the fence spiritually. Okay? Spiritually straddles the fence. They're not hot. They're not on fire for the Lord. They're not witnessing. They're not sharing the love of God. They're not helping the poor. They're not doing any of that. They're not cold. They're both. This is a person whose conscience is rarely touched. This is a person, lukewarm person, that doesn't take Jesus or the Bible seriously. Kind of like, huh, hmm, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a person that's erratic or sporadic at fellowship, okay? They don't make it a priority. They're not going, no, this is where we need to be. We need to be fed the word of God. Yesterday in discipleship, we talked all about this. We talked about the word of God. We talked about how, how it needs to be a priority and fellowship needs to be a priority. And, and again, they're, they're going, ah, oh, you know, that's a, oh. And we talked about how so many people, when I'm announced, hey, we're studying a new book, they go, oh, I've already been through that book. I'm not going to come. And yet God is still speaking. He's still speaking. 
And you may have studied that book 13 times and come and get things out of it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a person, guys, who um, doesn't let the Bible serve as a guide for his life. Doesn't go to the scriptures. Doesn't run and say, oh, man, I need to find out what God says for this for my life. This is a person who has no witness to others. This is a person who sits in church and thinks, I'm fine, I'm saved, when they may not be. This is a lukewarm person. And here's what Jesus says in verse 15b. I wish you were hot or cold. Hot or cold? I would think that the Lord Rosa would say, I wish you were hot. Come on, get in the game, let's go. Time's right. He says, but I wish you were hot or cold. Why? Why? Why would he say this? Why? I can understand hot, but why not? Why cold? I'll tell you why. Because when you're cold, that's when you know you need a doctor. That's when you know you need a doctor. Think about this, guys. Think about this is how we apply it today. You ready? It's a true description of many in the church today. That's a lot. He's describing the church today. Okay? It's, they're, they're not hot or on fire for the Lord, and they're not cold. They're lukewarm. And many are so afraid of being on fire for Jesus because they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be labeled as fanatics or extremists. Oh, come on. And what's sad is that every other area in the life of, of, the, of people, they shed their coolness to show their enthusiasm. Man, I have watched some mild-mannered people I know go crazy watching football or basketball game. You think, whoa, where did that come from? And it's easy to... Sh- Guys, I, I read a story this week of a man in San Francisco who walked around town with a sandwich board. You guys know what a sandwich board is, right? Running the front, running the back, slung over. And um, in, in the front of the sign, it said, I am a fool for Christ's sake. That's what it said. And as he walked the streets, he was ridiculed, ridiculed by those who saw the front of his sign until he walked by and they read what was written in the back which read, whose fool are you? And I thought, you know what? Think about it, guys. All of us are fools for something. All have those things which get us really excited and show some enthusiasm. As Christians, one of those things should be our relationship with the Lord. It really should be. It really should be. Guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag on my daughter and and her husband for a moment. There were several times that Jesse came to me and said, can I have her? Can I have her? Can she, can she stay? Can, can I have, and be like, no, Jesse, you're not married yet. Calm down. But, But I just wonder, and he would just look at her like, and Natalie pointed out to me, that's how God is. He's like, look, can I just, can I just bring him home now? Can I just have her? Can I just, can I have her? Can I have her? And yet there are people who are lukewarm that God is wanting to bring in and be hot. 
so that he can come for his bride. We, we sit there and go, I wish Jesus would come back today. I don't wish Jesus would come back today because there's many people who need Jesus. He'll come back when he's ready. But right now, we've got to work. We've got to tell people. We've got to live that life so people can see the light of Jesus. They're going to look at our lives and they're not going to go, oh, yeah, well, of course, that's Pastor Ben. <laughs> yeah, he's a saint. They're going to go, wow, dude, you're a pastor? Wow, to God be the glory. That's how God gets the glory. Listen, I was looking at my yearbook the other day with my friend, my junior high yearbook, and not one of them said most likely to grow up and be a pastor. Right? It was back in the, in the, in the early 80s, so it was like, stay cool. Right? It's things like that. Keep up the good personality, but not one said, you're going you're gonna to do great things for God. I didn't even know what I was doing in high school. I was playing basketball. I was all, it was all I knew to do. And look what God did. Because it's God. Amen? It's God. And God in your life. You see, when God looks at you, Santos, and Haas, and he looks at it, he goes, man, people go, no, I know Haas. No. To God be the glory. And they, and they praise the living God. When they look at your life, Rosa and Mary, and they, wow. When they look at you, Mike, and they, and they see that, yeah, oh, I've messed up. I've done, yeah, we all have, but to God be the glory. For he has done great things. He has done great things. Let me ask you this. Whose fool are you? Whose fool are you? So, question. How did Laodicea Church get into such a state that it made Jesus sick? Well, look at verse 17. Look at 17. It says, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing... And do not know that you are what? Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You understand, the city was wealthy. This was, they, and so he goes, the church goes, hey, guess what? He says, here's your problem, guys. Here's your problem. It's broken down in three categories. You go, what's that? Number one, compromise. Compromise. Number two, your self-sufficiency. I can do it. I don't need anything. Linda, I don't need anything. I got it. And then third, guys, was self-deception. Self-deception. You will, Ben, let's talk about compromise. Let's talk about compromise for just a minute. How did, how did, how do you get lukewarm out of the tap? Okay? You go, Ben, that's silly. That's Captain Obvious. You turn on the cold and you turn on the hot at the same time. Exactly. Okay? Or if you have one of those single handle faucets, you just put it right in the middle. And what happens is a result of a lukewarm compromise. Guys, lukewarm occurs when we seek to live in the middle. One foot in the Lord and one in the world. That's compromise. The lukewarm person experiences no conviction, never affects their conscience. To the lukewarm person, Jesus is merely, ooh, this is going to hurt. You ready? Part of their lives instead of the very reason they live and move and have their being. Well, you know, I give Jesus a good part of my day. You know, I talk to him for 15 minutes each day. That's pretty good. 
Guys, you and I, we're fascinated with people who have discipline and they're fanatic about other things. We are. We watch YouTube videos. But the lukewarm person here, guys, is compromised. He's like, okay. Okay, I'm just going to be a little bit, um, you know. I don't know why Donnie and Marie came to my mind. Do you remember Donnie and Marie? I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll, right? Some of you, the young kids in here are like, who's Donnie and Marie? I get it. I get it. Okay. I'm old. But anyways, it's like the person's like, I'm a little bit world and I'm a little bit God. And I'm right down the middle. Compromise is the first problem. Okay, one foot in each place. But the second problem, guys, jot this down, is self-sufficiency. Because the Lord says, you say I'm rich and have become wealthy. And you, don't have, and you don't need anything. And I have no need of nothing. Guys, the name Laodicea means rule of the people. Rule of the people. And they were a church that thought they really had it all together. Now, remember, let me, let me insert this. This is the church of God right now in this time in history. Right now. Today's church. Okay? And we have such wonderful mega churches that, it, I, that their banks are full of money and, and I mean, they don't, they don't need anything. But that's what they said. And see, the church was a church that thought they were better off than they really were. See, they had an elevated view of themselves. And I wonder, if we're going to take that to a personal level, I wonder how many of us have an elevated view of our walk with God. Oh, I'm good. No, man, I've been serving Jesus 28 years, been serving Jesus. And we have this, instead of crawling to him and going, God, be merciful to me. Tell me what's wrong. Show me my, show me where I'm sick so that I can, so I can be healed. I surrender those things to you. I don't want to have an elevated view of myself. I want to have a realistic view of who I am. Jesus is king. And yet, the Laodiceans thought they needed nothing. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? No, we're good. We're good. We're all right. We're all right. We're American people. We're Texans. We don't need... No, 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 no. God, we need you. Because they felt that they were self-sufficient. And third, guys, they were plagued by self-deception. Jesus says, she, he says to them, I say to you, I am rich. You become wealthy and need nothing. He says, but you do not know. Guess what you are? You're really wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're what? You're blind. Wait, 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 wait. Laodicean had a school of ophthalmology. They, they had an eye. No, no, no. You're blind. And you're naked. And you're naked. Wow. Jesus had a different view of them than they had of themselves. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because um, they were being measured by two different standards. You go, what do you mean? If you use two different standards of measurement, you will never be able to agree on, uh, agree on what the true temperature is. Okay? And that's what's happening here. You go, what do you mean? They were measured. The Laodiceans were measured by the standards of the world. Come on, somebody. You see, but the worldly standard 
it was pleasant, it's comfortable, it's approved by the community around them, and they thought they were doing well. I'll never forget this. My wife taught me an important lesson about the Lord, and we were talking about Christianity one day, and and sometimes how hard some certain things are walking in Christianity. But she said, you know what the problem is? The problem is, is if we wouldn't expect it to be easy, if we didn't expect it to be easy, then we wouldn't be so upset. And I said, there's a lot of truth to that. If we, if we expect, if we wouldn't expect the Christian life to be easy, then when stuff happens, we would, we have to expect it to be hard. We have to expect it to be, uh, uh, that, that, that battle. Look around you. If Christianity was super easy and wonderful and there wasn't any spiritual attacks, we would be full. But there's a lot of folks that go, I'm out. This is too hard. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's the world. But the problem is Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, here's the thing. I'm using a standard that's intended to help you grow. I'm using a standard that wants to, to, to fulfill all your potential. Here's why. Because God sees you so much different than the world sees you. God sees you victorious. As a matter of fact, but, but he's got to get to the root of the issue. Why? Because we're saying, I'm wonderful. He's going, no, you're not. You're wretched. And we're going, no, 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 wait. I'm marvelous. Right? And he's going, no, 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 you're miserable. You say, no, 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 we're prospering. And he says, actually, you're poor. Oh, hey, Lord, Lord, we're, we're what? We're beholding. He says, no, you're blind. God, Lord, we have beautiful, fine clothes. He goes, actually, you're naked. Okay? Naked actually speaks of, sh- of shame and humiliation. He says, you're, you're naked. It was the author John Stott who wrote, quote, the Laodicean church was a half-hearted church. Perhaps none of these seven leaders are more appropriate in the 20th century church than this. It describes vividly the respectable, sentimental, nominal, skin-deep religiosity, which is so widespread among us today. Other Christian, our Christianity is flabby and anemic. We appear to have a lukewarm bath of religion, end quote. I thought, boy, did he nail that. Let me tell you what the church is not, okay? Let me tell you what the church is not. The church is not a country club operating for the benefits of its members. The church is not a performing arts center where one is entertained with great dramatic productions, heartwarming speeches, and wonderful music. That's not the church. Okay? The church is not a political action group or a protest movement taking sides on issues in the world's political arena. But I will tell you what the church is. The church, guys... The church should be a hospital for people who are broken, who are sick, who need help. As a matter of fact, the Lord says this is what the church should be in Matthew chapter, or back in Matthew. He says this, you guys, the church should be salt and light. We should be salt and light. Because of its lukewarmness, the church of Laodicea cannot be salt or light. Because of these things. Well, what do we do? Well, he's going to give us the last point, guys, the declaration of prescription. Okay? Like a good doctor, Jesus knows what's wrong and how to fix it. Will they listen to the doctor? Will we? 
Some people think, man, they don't need a doctor. I can take care of myself. Nobody needs to tell me what to do until they really need a doctor. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich with white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What does Jesus say? Here's the four things we need to do. You ready? He says, the first three are in 18. Jesus says, man, here's what I want you to do. I want you to buy from me what? I want, I counsel you to buy from me. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I want to challenge your self-sufficiency. I'm going to challenge your self-sufficiency, your self-sufficient attitude. Because the buy in the Greek is means I want you to frequent the marketplace. In other words, you need to go shopping from God. Now, this is a very key principle. Why? Because the Lord wants us to see that everything we need to love, to thrive, to function is found in him. Guys, listen, listen, listen. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that you're going to heaven. That's going to be glorious. That's going to be amazing. But while you're on earth, he wants you to be victorious. He wants you to live with the fire and the passion that you have for him. He wants you to love and function and and thrive and grow. He doesn't want us just to exist. Oh, you do not. I'm a Christian. Yeah. He he wants you to go, no, 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 no. listen, you're going to go to heaven. It's already said. It's sealed. You gave your life to him. You believe. Amen. But but what are you going to do here? He wants us to grow. And he keeps watering that tender plant so you can grow up and be a strong bush. A strong plant. Roots deep in. That's what he's wanting to do for each one of us, guys. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says we need to buy from him? Isn't God's grace free? You go, yes, it is. See, the idea is not to be self-sufficient, but to be sufficient in him. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Isaiah 55, verse 1. He says, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, amen, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why Do you spend money for what is not bread and your wage for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in its abundance. What are we to buy from Christ, you ask? Well, we're going to exchange our wretched poverty for pure gold. We're going to exchange the starkness of nakedness for white garments. We're going to exchange, guys, blindness for the healing eye ointment. And the fourth prescription is found in verse 19. And it's really a doorway, if you will, to the other three. Why? Because notice what Jesus says. He says, as many as I love, what does he say? I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, Be zealous and repent. Don't you love that? He says this, as many as I love, I rebuke, I rebuke, I chasten. 
If you're being spanked by God, welcome to the family, because he loves you very much. That's what he's saying. But he says, here's the prescription, guys. He says, do it now. He says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Don't you just love the heart of the Lord? We don't like to spank our kids. We never did. We don't like to spank them. But it's necessary, is it not? For what? To show that you're just mean and you're... No, to show them growth. To show them that you care, that they can't behave this way. We don't do it because we're mean, and that's what God says. You do it because you actually love them. Right, Gigi? And that's what God does to us sometimes. He says, listen... There's sometimes that you're getting and you're, you're lukewarm, and he says, no, 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 come here, come here. Oh, why'd you do that, Lord? Okay, okay, back, back over here. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. I love this last part. Look at verse 20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come into him and dine with him. And he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame, I sat down with my father on his throne. Wow. No, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, right? So he's saying, hey, guys, listen. He's knocking at the church door. Hey, if anyone hears my voice, he says, open the door. Open the door of our hearts, guys. We don't want to be walking lukewarm anymore. Now's not the time. Now's not the time. He says, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. But I want you to zero in on, on verse 20. Why? Look at the word verse. Go back to verse 20, Josh, if you can. Look at that word behold. You guys see it? Why would he use behold? Okay. Because if you do a study, here's what the word means. It actually, if you look it up and you do it, it actually means wake up. Wake up. This is what he's saying. Wake up. So what's the first thing that they need to do? They need to wake up to the fact that Jesus is on the outside of their lives. Ooh. They needed him to be on the inside. The second thing is they're to open the door of their hearts. Why? Because Jesus is not going to knock it down. What a gentleman our God is. He's knocking. He knocks. And when you do, he promises to come inside. Open my heart. And so maybe, guys, we're here this evening and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about a lukewarm condition. And you realize even tonight that Jesus is standing on the outside of your life. And he wants to come in. And as a matter of fact, he's knocking on your heart today. And so what I want to do in the last minute is I'm going to close with these last two verses. I'm going to close. In Revelation 21 and 22, notice what he says. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. But the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I want to show you this real quick, okay? This is the last time you're going to hear this phrase. 
He's not going to say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You got it? He's not going to say that all the way from chapter 4 to chapter 19. Now, he will say, he who has an ear, let him hear. But he's not going to mention the church anymore. We won't see that again. So the question is, in our hearts, are we lukewarm? Have we allowed a little bit of cold to come into our lives? Have we a little bit of, of, of the frigid temperatures in the world to, to spoil our, our, our spiritual condition? I'll tell you, tell you a little secret. There are two natures that beat within my breast. You know what I'm talking about? One is spirit and one is flesh. Okay? One I love and one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. Do you know... You know how I become lukewarm? It's when I allow a lot of things from the world to creep into my life. And I'll confess it in front of you. That, guys, I allow it. I'll, and, and nowadays, with Internet and Facebook and all of this stuff, we, we allow it. We open the door. We say yes. And what we find, Santos, is we find, and what I find is I'm not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I once used to be. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot. Muy fuego for the Lord. A fire. So maybe you're here tonight and you just say, Lord, he's speaking to me. He was speaking to my heart. Guys, don't, don't leave here without without a real confession. And we don't have to make a public declaration. You just do it in your heart. Just do it in your heart right here. Lord, I, I'm sorry for my sin, Lord. I've allowed compromise and self-sufficiency and even self-deception. I thought I was better than what I was. And, and Lord, your word has spoken to me so clearly. So tonight, I surrender. I give my life. I'm, I'm going to be hot for you, God. I, I'm, I'm going to move forward with you. Forgive me, Lord, for the compromise. Forgive me for allowing all the coldness from the world to come in. Forgive me that I haven't run to the hot springs of Heropolis, but I've stayed lukewarm. I'm sorry for making you sick. Thank you for dying on the cross, Lord. Thank you for showing you me my heart. And if you're watching online, and God is speaking to you, you can simply pray that same prayer. Lord, forgive me. I, I'm neither hot or cold, Lord. I'm sorry for making you sick. Forgive me. Come into my heart, God. Show me. Help me to be hot for you. May your Holy Spirit do an amazing work tonight. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.